Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service. Uh, 20 years ago, I was living in a little village called Kings Point, which is uh, just south of Ulladulla, and I was working at that point in time in a school as a chaplain uh, in a place called Milton, which is a little town just north of Ulladulla, uh, an Anglican school that no longer exists. I don't think that had anything to do with me, but uh, who knows. Uh, anyway, I lived in Kings Point and a friend of mine who also worked at the same school uh, also lived in Kings Point and so we'd drive together. Uh, we had one of the longest commutes amongst our colleagues in that workplace. Uh, it was about 12 minutes uh, door to door, so a bit of a struggle for us. But then on some occasions it got even longer. And the reason it got longer is because on our route through Ulladulla there is one traffic light. And when it was red, it took about an extra minute to get to work. And so we worked out because we were pretty conscientious young men and uh, pretty keen to get to work on time. Uh, actually, it was about the on time and not being late. But because we were keen for that extra minute, we worked out that there's a detour round Ulladulla. And so we diligently took this detour, saving at least a minute on those occasions where we'd hit the red light. Until one day we realised that in taking this detour, we were missing out on one of the most spectacular images in all of creation. This one, the view of Ulladulla Harbour. We saved a minute, but we lost a moment. And the moment that we lost was a moment of invitation into God's grace revealed in creation. Last week we considered means of grace as an invitation, not an obligation. And today, this evening, we're going to think about three ways that creation invites us into God's grace. And the first one is this. It gives grace by inviting those flying life's freeways to ponder life's purpose. Now, fair enough, if you want to push back and say, Ron, I've been to Ulladulla, the back streets of Ulladulla are hardly flying life's freeways. I get it. But think of it as a metaphor for the way that we often choose to run our own lives. We scurry from one thing to the next. We fill our lives with so much content that we neglect easily the content that that the Creator has put all around us. Our desire is to seize every minute of every day, but that means we crowd out moments of grace. One day when my friend and I realised that we were missing out on this incredible view, we made a decision and that was that from that day on we would always take the harbour route. But not only that, we would encourage each other as we drove past to look, to soak it in, to acknowledge the Creator and all that He had made and to begin our day in worship of Him. We determined to savour the moment, even if it costs us a minute. Creation invites us into God's grace moment by moment. Very early in Jesus' public ministry, he spent time in creation 
refocusing himself on what mattered most. In Mark 1 verse 35, Jesus retreats. The context is that the crowds have started to build around him because of the miracles that he's doing. But early one morning, he wants to get away from the bustle of people and he finds himself in a quiet place to pray. And I don't think this is coincidence. It's very intentional that Jesus removes himself from the crowd and goes into the creation. And I wonder if he just wanted on that morning to soak in a sunrise with his father and to rethink about what his purpose was in coming into the world. Because in Mark 1.35, we also discover that when the disciples found Jesus, he says to them, let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So Jesus' moment in creation, praying with his Father, led him to refocus himself on what his purpose was in coming. That creation should help us ponder our purpose is more of a surprise than what it needs to be. Old Testament theologian John Walton makes the case that the creation account in the book of Genesis actually sets up the whole world as God's cosmic temple, his cathedral, the place where God dwells on earth, the place where we go to meet God, the place where we reorder priorities and purpose. And Psalm 19 that Josephine just read to us, picks up on this same idea, telling us from its very first verse that the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Not just do they proclaim knowledge, they declare God's glory. As we remove ourselves from the hustle and bustle of life's freeways, as we step back a bit and as we slow ourselves down to contemplate the creation that God has placed around us, we can't help but ponder life's purpose. Creation is a gift of grace to us, providing that invitation to slow down and receive his grace. And that can be as simple as smelling the flowers, as soaking up a sunrise or, or as marvelling at the wonders of human anatomy. Even just when you cut yourself, how incredible is it that that cut will so quickly heal? Amazing bodies that we live in. And as we ponder creation and start to ponder life's purpose, our thinking is sharpened even further because the second thing I want to say is that creation gives us grace by inviting those who attempted to inflate their own image to imagine the indescribable. Now, while the selfie is a relatively new phenomena, making ourselves the centre is not new at all. It's precisely what happens in the creation account in Genesis, where the humans push themselves to the centre and take that place, desiring to become like God, rather than allowing and worshipping him as the one who's at the centre. And ever since that time, humanity has been tempted to do the same thing. 
And if you and I take even just a cursory glance at ourselves, we see it's true of us as well. That we're tempted to inflate ourselves and to deflate God. But creation invites us into the grace of knowing our place and knowing God's place in all of creation. I want to play you a snippet from uh, a video by a US preacher by the name of Louis Giglio. You may have heard of him and you may have even heard of this message. He preached it about 20 years ago. It's titled Indescribable. And if you've got 40 minutes to watch the whole thing, we're going to watch about three in a moment, then the QR code that comes up on the video will take you to the link where you can watch the whole thing. It's a valuable 40 minutes to spend. But for now, just watch the screens for these three minutes. We live in a little subdivision in the universe called the Milky Way Galaxy. In case you didn't know, that's where you live. Some of you are thinking you live in Shady Grove. No, you're living in the Milky Way Galaxy. That's your subdivision in the universe, a very big universe that we have to use something called a light year to get around in. You say, well, what's a light year? Well, that's how fast light travels in one year. And we know it's flying 186,000 miles a second. So if light goes 186,000 miles a second for a whole year, it goes 5.88 trillion miles in a year. And that's the measurement or one of the main measurements we use to get around in the universe that God has created. That's how big it is. The foot not going to help you in God's universe. The yard of no value to you whatsoever in God's universe. The mile insignificant. The kilometer, Matt, uh, not going to help you uh, getting around in God's universe. We have to use a ruler that is 5.88 trillion miles long to measure things in God's universe. And our home subdivision, the Milky Way galaxy, just came into being. It, cons- it's con- it consists of billions of stars. Just our subdivision, the Milky Way galaxy. Not hundreds, not millions, not hundreds of millions. Billions of stars in our home subdivision, the Milky Way galaxy. And scientists say that there are hundreds of billions of other subdivisions and galaxies in the known universe. This shot is where we live. It's a little snapshot of the Milky Way galaxy. If you zoom into this star forming region, see something pretty amazing. This particular shot is a close up of a star forming region in our subdivision. If we were to count the billions of stars in the Milky Way galaxy, one star per second, one, two, three, four, five. That looks like one, but I'm close enough to see it's two that are close together. Seven. Eight, nine, ten, eleven. Let's go back over here. Twelve. You're like, oh, please don't count them all. (laughs) If we counted all the stars in our subdivision, one per second, it would take 2,500 years just to count the stars in the Milky Way galaxy. And God says about himself, you you, want to know how the universe is telling us that God is big? Through the prophet Isaiah, he says, to whom will you compare me? And who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift your eyes to the heavens. Who created all of these? And then he answers for himself. The one who leads forth the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his mighty strength and great power, not one of them is missing. We've got to right size him tonight. He is not our size. 
He does not have a brain like ours. He does not think like we think. He is working on a canvas bigger than we have ever dreamed of or imagined. And he is bigger than anything we've ever seen in our lifetime. He is huge. And the heavens are telling us that. But they're telling us something else tonight. Not only are they telling us God is huge, they're telling us that you and me, that we are really, 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 really small. Pretty incredible stats that we get there about creation, reminding us how big God is. One star a second, two and a half thousand years, only to count the stars in the Milky Way galaxy. Creation gives us grace because it reminds us how incredibly huge God is. But as Louis went on to say and does go on to say in the talk, that it also reminds us that we are small. In fact, one of my favourite books, a little book, easy to read, is by Louis Giglio and it's called I Am Not, But I Know I Am. Just think about that title for a minute. I am not, but I know I am. We live in a world where we're constantly tempted to inflate ourselves, to make us big and God small, but we need to, as Louis said, right-size God and right-size us. We don't want it that way. We want God to be big and us to be small. It's much better for us to have God big and us small than us big and him small. Creation reminds us of how big God is and how little we are. Psalm 8 says it like this way, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. Isn't that a phenomenal thought? When you think about how big God is, who are we that God would be mindful of us? Who are we that God would care for us? Yet God is mindful of you. Not only does he know the names of the stars in every galaxy, he knows your name. He cares about you. And so creation gives us grace, not only by reminding us how big God is, but by reminding us that even though we're small, we're loved, cherished, valued by the God who is beyond our comprehension in terms of his size. The grace that we are talking about is a grace that reaches far and wide. A grace that calls us into the joy of his salvation, even though we are a tiny part of all creation. What grace! Yet sometimes when we look at creation, we're not glad. Sometimes we look at things with despair, like when millions of fish are killed in the beautiful Menindee Lakes, just as one example. But even here, when we look and see such devastating disaster, we can still find grace. 
How so, you ask? Because we're reminded as we reflect on creation's brokenness that even in our inability to work and take care of God's creation as he's invited us to, God has a gracious plan for all of creation. God has a plan for the reconciliation of creation. And so, so uh, creation gives us grace by inviting those who are concerned for creation into the reality of its reconciliation. Romans 8 tells us that creation is subject to frustration. We know the Bible tells us that creation's broken. It's messed up. But it also tells us that creation will be liberated from bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the, of the children of God. Creation's reconciliation will be a reality not because humans will finally get our act together and look after creation the way that we're meant to. Creation will be reconciled and it will be a reality. Why? Because God in Jesus has done everything needed for creation to be freed from its bondage to decay. Colossians 1 tells us that the one through whom all things were created and the one for whom all things were created. He is also the one that will reconcile all things to himself. Jesus' death on the cross reconciles all things to God. And so even when we look at creation in desperation, in devastation, we find God's grace because we know that God is reconciling even creation to himself. On the cross, Jesus has done everything that's needed to restore creation. On the cross, Jesus has done everything needed to reconcile creation, because on the cross, Jesus destroyed evil and all its implications that come from sin. His grace puts broken things back together. And Jesus' grace makes tarnished things new. It's a grace that's on offer for us now, tasted now in creation, but a grace that will be fulfilled one day in a new creation. The very end of the Bible, the last two chapters of the book of Revelation, chapter 21 and 22, is a vision of this new creation that we're all moving towards. And it views the new creation as a city, but check out this beautiful description of the middle of the city at the start of Revelation 22. It says this, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal. Beautiful river flowing through the middle, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. There is a picture of grace, of creation restored, of all things restored, of all things reconciled, and all of it happening because of Jesus and what he did for us. Creation invites us into grace. 
Creation reveals God's glory for us now and it points to God's glory to come in the new creation. God's grace in creation is around us every day, moment by moment. Creation invites us to consider the works of his hands. More than that, it invites us to consider him the creator. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Are you prepared to give a minute and gain a moment of grace? Let me pray. God, thank you for your grace that's revealed to us, particularly tonight. We thank you for your grace in creation. That's so many things around us. Show us that you, God, are a marvellous creator, more wonderful than our minds can even imagine, bigger than what we can grasp. And we thank you, God, that you are God. May your creation remind us day after day of how big you are. And we thank you that even when creation reminds us that we are small, we thank you that we are not insignificant. We thank you that creation reminds us that you are mindful of us, that you haven't given up hope on us or on your creation and that there will be a day when you restore all things to yourself in fullness of your grace as a gift of grace for us for all eternity. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St. Matt's West Penn Hills 6pm congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmatts.org.au and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.